Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. Man, he's here. How many thankful for Jesus? You know, I started to get Matt just sing that song, that old hymn, I'd Rather Have Jesus. How many of you had rather have Jesus? I'm thankful for Jesus. Father, we love you with all our heart this morning. Lord, we love you, Jesus. Friend, I was a jacked up teenager when the Lord saved me. But I'm so thankful for grace and mercy. Lord, we love you this morning. We're so thankful, God, that you would love us, that while we were yet sinners, you would die for us, God. You would set us free, God. I thank you for the privilege, God, to stand here this morning before this people and proclaim this glorious gospel. And Father, I pray this morning that you would touch us in a deep way today, God. When we leave this house, we would leave this house forever changed. Because we've encountered you. How many know this is impossible to encounter God without changing? Every time we encounter him, he changes us. More into his image. How many knows that as he is, so are we in this earth? Go to Luke chapter 4. I, I've, um, we played a baseball tournament all day yesterday. So anytime you're playing baseball, you go through a bunch of emotions. <laughs> or I do. Especially when your son's out there on the field. And it was hot. But give it up for Coach Stanton. He brought his first ring home last night. Won the game. Praise God. <laughs> By the way, he's preaching revival this week. What, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. Over at Pastor P.J. Morris's church. So if you can, let's go bless him and encourage him. You know, we gave a word a couple of weeks ago, and I really believe God's doing that uh, during worship. I felt like the Lord told me, uh, Matthew, in Matthew's gospel, I believe it's in Matthew's gospel, the 21st chapter, that's the triumphal entry. That's where Jesus went, and he sent his disciples ahead of him, and he said, go to a man and tell him that, uh, go, go and loose uh, a colt. Matthew, Luke, uh, Mark, Luke, and John uh, referenced the colt, but Matthew says there was a donkey there with him, and he says, but you tell him the Lord had need of him. If you, go, you know that uh, to redeem a colt, there had to be, right? To redeem a colt, there had to be the payment of a lamb. So what Jesus was saying, I'm the lamb. I'll be the payment. You just go ahead and unloose him. And what I feel like the Lord was saying to me in that is, and saying to us in that, is that the donkey has ran this thing for a while. But God is about to unleash the colts on the land. The colts, the unbroken the unbridled, come on, the wild stallions, just to run with something fresh and just, and so God's doing that. I believe God's going to do amazing things at Pastor PJ's church through Stanton. God's doing a lot in his life, and we're just proud of what the Lord's doing. All we want to do is fan the flame and say, run, go, go get higher. But uh, he and I, <coughs> we went to lunch, we had a break, and we was just going to try to set an air conditioner somewhere. And so on the way back, we got to playing some old stuff. And I was showing him, you know, I'm 38 years old. Met the Lord on February the 2nd of 1998. 
And uh, I was just, we were playing a song, and I said, man, I played this song every morning over my life as a teenager, 18, 19. And uh, we was just looking at some old stuff, and then I showed him some clips by Kenneth Hagin where they were actually holding Dr. Hagin up. And Dr. Hagin, whether you, I don't know what you believe, what kind of background, but he'd just be, that's all he would say. And then he would laugh, and then laugh, and then... Man, he would just do his hand like that and say glory. And I mean, 200 people would just be gone under the power of God. And we were just watching that yesterday. And, you know, I got my three boys in the back seat, Grant and Ash. They was all standing up, you know, as we was going down Bemis. And we was watching it on the on the phone, you know. And, um, <clears throat> and so Asher, when we got when we got home last night, uh, he said, Daddy, he said, show, show some more clips of uh, that man slapping them people. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, uh, so we set up last night till, uh, gosh, it was close to midnight just watching those clips. But this morning, I want to talk to you uh, really out of um, the place where I come from and where I'm at now. I want to tell you what's toted me thus far and what I believe a told us till the Lord returns or till he takes us, uh, till we, till we leave the earth. Okay? I want to talk about the anointing this morning. So go to Luke chapter 4, uh, verse 16. <clears throat> Amanda's just going to play behind me just to help me this morning. I asked her that. I'm, I'm very tired physically. And uh, how many of uh, the men folk be glad when your wife gets back? Amen. Hey, something about mama being in the household. Things just stabilize. Luke 4, 16, you there? So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Otherwise, he's, he's going to his hometown. And as was custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. All that stuff about Jesus, you know, churches. You can go have church wherever Jesus went to church. Come on now. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Look at this. Let's read verse 18 together. Say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captive. And recover of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. And to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant, sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and it's upon you. It's not just upon you, but it's in you. The Holy Ghost don't come. He's inside of you. Holy Spirit, whatever you want to say. He doesn't come upon us. He's inside of us. And at times, He manifests through us. Bill Johnson says this. He says, the Holy Spirit is in me for my sake. He's the lead God into leading God me into all truth. He's a comforter. Come on, somebody. You know, we say this in the church, God don't want you in your comfort zone. The Holy Spirit's called the comforter. Bill John, he says, the Spirit of God is in me for my sake. But listen to this. But he's upon me for someone else. 
You know what the answer to the problems outside the walls of this church? A spirit-filled believer. What the, what, the, what the answer is to America's problems is a spirit-filled man or woman of God. The, what the answer to the brokenness inside our school system is a spirit-filled teenager. <clears throat> the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Father, I pray today as I preach this word, as I preach about the anointing, God, that you would anoint us afresh. As David said in Psalms 92.10, Thou anointest my head with fresh oil. Father, we pray this morning for an uncorking of fresh wine in this house. God, we pray this morning that you would fill us. Because your word declares, Be ye not drunk with wine in excess in Ephesians 5.18, but be ye filled with the Spirit of God. I pray this morning that you would fill us, God, to the brim. That we would overflow. We would overflow at Walmart. We would overflow at Harvey's. We would overflow at Zaxby's. We would overflow in the classroom, God. We would overflow in our places of business, God. Father, we are salt and we are light. Let us become that in this community, God. We pray this morning, God, that there would be fresh wine released in the church in our community, God. Over every leader, God, in our community, we pray for a fresh anointing upon them, God, to preach and to teach the gospel. We pray for every youth pastor, God, that you would anoint them afresh, God, that our youth groups would be a blazing fire, God. We pray this morning, God. We do pray for revival. We believe for revival. We're living for revival, God. We're in revival, God. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, man, I feel the power of God in this room. Sometimes I love a small crowd. There's less to wade through. You say, well, man, I just don't feel like my prayer life's affected. effective. You need the anointing. I lay hands on people, nothing happens. You need the anointing. I stand up to testify, nothing happens. You need the anointing. When this comes upon your life, everything changes, friend. Everything changes in that moment. Listen, the anointing, what I want to talk about, I, I preach about the Holy Spirit a lot. I talk about the anointing a lot. What the anointing does is it points to an encounter. You will not find a man or a woman of God in history or throughout the Bible that did anything great that it did not first have an encounter with God. How many knows when you have an encounter, he becomes not a mystic figure, not a fairy tale. Come on, but he becomes something personal to you. I was I, I grew up in, I grew up in church when I was little. Got away from it. Got wild as a jackrabbit as a teenager. But on February the second, nineteen ninety eight, I did not meet a church. I did not meet a preacher. I did not meet the Bible. I met a man named Jesus. Come on, somebody, and he changed my life. I was forever changed in that moment. You will not find a man in history that has ever had a real living encounter with the man named Jesus. I'm talking about the hair like wool, the eyes like a flame of fire that John saw on the Isle of Patmos. You won't find a man that has had a true encounter with this man called Jesus and then turn around and walk away from him. There's something that is forever changed in your life. I'm not saying that you may not slip and fall, but there's something that is constantly pulling you back to him. Will we all agree with that in this room? The prophet Jeremiah said, I'm tired of prophesying and people not listening. I'm tired. Of, I'm, I'm just weak. I'm fatigued. I want to give up. Every time I try to throw in the towel, he said, but yea, Lord, your word is like a flame of fire shut up in my bones. There's something that starts turning in the midnight hour when I want to give up. It is the anointing of the Holy Ghost, friend. It is the Spirit of God living inside of you, calling you back to that true north. Hello.
Listen, we don't need more Bible study in the church. We don't need more media in the church. We don't need better worship in the church. We need a move of the anointing of the Holy Spirit in the church. This is what changes our lives. My God, I feel it. If it's your first time, I holler. And I say it like this. Preach, uh, teachers teach, uh, tell it, but preachers yell it. I'm a preacher, okay? I'm passionate about what I'm talking about, friend. This is what changed my life. This is what changes our lives. A teenage boy who was jacked up had one encounter with the living Christ that forever changed my life. 20 years later, man, I've been through the storms of life just like anybody in this room. But I can tell you something, friend, this morning. I have found him faithful. Paul said it to Timothy like this. I know in whom I have trusted. And I know in whom I have believed, son. Whatever you face it, listen, I'm telling you, you can trust him. You can have confidence in him, friend. He will never leave you nor forsake you. When he promised to Abraham, he said, I looked throughout all the earth. And I looked throughout all the heavens. And when I could find none greater, I swore by my own name to you. Let's look at this. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. I want to show you some scripture then. We might do some laying on of hands. <coughs> if you're new here, that's, that's Pentecostal version for we're going to pray for somebody. <laughs> look at this in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. God, we need the anointing. Look at this. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. What I'm going to tell you right here, the devil nor the, the forces of this earth, the religious spirit, the political spirit, nobody gets upset about Jesus. But they will get upset about the Christ. Jesus Christ is not Christ is not his last name. That just means he's God. He's God's smeared one. The anointing means to smear. To smear. Just to smear all over with the anointment. He's God's smeared one. Jesus, we have the account of him at 12 years old. Where his, we, we, we see when he's born. We know when he's around about the age of two when Herod tried to kill him. <clears throat> right? That's where we cut up. Remember Pastor Dale always taught us about the manger scene where we got the three wise men at the manger. They never made it to the manger. That'll make most people in the church mad, you know. I ain't trying to say burn your major scenes, but it never happened. The scripture says in Luke that, 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 that uh, he, was, uh, he was a child. And we know that he had to be somewhere around two years old because Herod sent the decree, kill him two years and younger. Wasn't a baby there. And then we have the account of him at 12 years old when Mary and Joseph go and they lose him, wonder where he's at. They find him in the temple. And Jesus said, don't you know I got to be about my father's business? We don't see any devil coming out. We see no devil dealt with in the Old Testament. We know there had to be devils. Come on, somebody. We don't see nothing happening. We, don't see, we, see, the, we see the power of God upon man. We see some bad dudes in there like Elijah. How many know he's a bad dude? He prayed, shut the heavens up three and a half years. Prayed again and the heavens were loosed. This is a man on the old covenant. 
Samson walking around killing lions with his bare hand. Killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. Come on. He's a bad dude. This is the Spirit of God upon somebody. This is not the Spirit of God in somebody. Now, Jesus, we see the next, he's 30 years of age. I'm just preaching this out of my heart. Can we do it like it flows better? He's 30 years of age and he's walking down to the he's walking down to the river and John is standing there. John had come. That's his first cousin. He come to prepare the way of the Lord saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What is he saying? Repent. Change the way you think because heaven is not that far away. From you. It's within hand's reach right now. If you got eyes to see and ears to hear what's available. And John is down there baptizing and he sees, he says, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. And Jesus walks down into the Jordan. And John said, I, I need to be baptized with you, by you. He says, It's not right for me to baptize you. He said, Suffer it to be so, John, for all things be filled. Jesus goes down into the water and he comes back up. And the Bible says that the Spirit of God descended upon It says that the heavens opened and the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. And the Scripture says it remained. At this moment, now, Jesus, the God-man, is now anointed and equipped to do the work of the ministry. See, we have to tear this thing down in the south. We think the man that's preaching on Sunday morning and Wednesday night is the one equipped to do the ministry. No, the Bible says in Ephesians 4 that I'm here as a gift to the body of Christ. Maxie is a gift to the body of Christ. Junior is a gift to the body of Christ. Stanton is a gift to the body of Christ to equip us to do the work of the ministry. We got the same hands you got. We got the same Holy Ghost you got. You just got to activate the gift that is in you and step out on faith and lay your hands upon them. We got people trying to bring people to the preacher to get them saved. You lead them to Christ. All you got to do is tell them to call on the name of the Lord and they shall be saved. You don't got to know King James, Greek and Hebrew. Just know Jesus and lead them to a personal encounter with him. That's all the lady knew in John chapter 4. She said, let me tell you about a man that changed my life. I was struggling with alcohol. I was struggling with pornography. But let me tell you of a man that changed my life. His name is Jesus. That's all we have to know. Now, Acts 10.38 says now how God anointed, smeared Jesus, the Christ of Nazareth, who went about doing good, healing all that was sick and oppressed of the devil. Is that not what the Bible says? Check me on it. Now, Jesus is fixing to begin his ministry, and he's showing us now how he's fixing to do what he's doing. We know this, that if Jesus did what he did as God, he could not command me in John 14, 12, the works you see me do, greater works are you going to do because I go back to my Father. And we know according to Philippians, chapter 1 around and, and chapter 2, how Jesus, who being equal with God, who did not consider it robbery, right? To be equal with God, humbled himself and became a man. This is God, y'all, right? Humbled himself, left heaven, and became a baby. God, the creator, the omnipotent, omnipresent. Became a babe and had to learn how to walk. God having to learn how to walk. God having to learn how to talk. Humbled himself and became a man. 
Jesus came to show us to a man and woman who would surrender their life to this person called the Holy Spirit. It's not a it like the Pentecostal church told us it was. It is a living person. It is the third head of God. Come on, somebody. Because we have God. Uh, Yahweh is God for us. Emmanuel is God with us. Holy Spirit is God in us. I like to say it like this too. That the Father is the initiator. Jesus is the communicator. And the Holy Ghost is the manifester of what was communicated. Jesus now when he comes up. He has a dove that lights upon him. And the dove remains upon him. The dove is a picture of the Holy Spirit descending. Boom. And now he's anointed. I believe this. Probably can't prove it. But I believe this is the same dove that Noah had when he stood on the ark. Now I want you to go back. If you go back and you read that account, just do this for homework. When the waters begin to recede, the Bible says he sent out a raven. It says he sent out a raven. But then says Noah, the new King James and the King James says Noah then sent out a dove from him. From him. Says that the dove couldn't find a place to light her foot, so she returned unto him. Stay with me right here. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. Then he sends her out again from him. Now she's finding a place to land her foot. She returns unto him. This is how Jesus was so close to this dove that when he's walking through the crowded streets, people thronging him. He's so, he, his mind is not on the people. His mind is not on the ministry. His mind is on the dove that's in his life. And a woman pushes through the crowd with an issue of blood and she touches the hem of his garment and he stops and he says, boys, the dove just went out from me. He's somewhere. Somebody has touched me. They looked at him and said, Lord, uh, there's people everywhere. A lot of people know, but somebody grabbed the dove. This is what the Holy Ghost is in your life for, friend. When you go to Walmart, somebody needs the dove. When you go on the job, somebody needs the dove. you got to be conscious of what's on the inside of you. To release that dove. Look at Acts chapter 1. You all right? If you're new here, I'll preach for a little while. They pay me so good, i got to preach for a while. <coughs> Look at this in Acts chapter 1 verse 4 And being assembled together with them He commanded them to not depart from Jerusalem But to wait for the promise of the Father Which he said you have heard from me Look at this For John truly baptized with water But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit Not many days from now Therefore when they had come together They asked him saying Lord Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Look at this. But you shall receive power. Look at your neighbor. Say, you shall receive power. Listen, I thank God for tongues, but tongues is not the finality of the thing. Did you hear what I said? Tongues is not the finality of a thing. Listen, and a lot of Pentecostals that speak in tongues are not, feel, uh, are not full of the Holy Spirit. 
when you speak in tongues, that teaches me, that tells me that you have had an encounter with God. But it don't mean you fool. Well, I don't know about that preacher. Well, I know this. According to Romans 11, verse 29, I think it is, it says the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. God's not an Indian giver. When he gives you something, he's going to give it to you. The gift to function even if you ain't in right relationship. Say, for real? Man, you don't think the boys with ACDC shredding them guitars wasn't gifted by God? Whoever's shredding it in Michael Jackson's beat it. You know what I'm saying? When he's shredding, you don't think he's not gifted by God. It'll function. But listen, the tongues and everything that comes with the package is to push me into the encounter until I receive power. This is the deal. Power to do what? Lay hands upon the sick and see them recover. We were... We went to Pierce County to the graduation Friday night. My nephew was graduating. There was two young boys that we know very well uh, there. Uh, Grant's 13. He was, there's just a little bit of, there's about four months separating him and Grant. And beautiful blonde haired little boy, 2015, was off the coast of Daytona with his dad. They was out in the water fishing closest storm is 20 miles away a lightning bolt hits him dead in the top of the head puts the hat off of him blows the swim trunks clean off of him story to that is they saved they saved his life he um, stayed at the children's hospital in Orlando for a length of time and, and and you know we've been over here and just you know and so I don't I just hadn't seen him in a while and as I watched him, he now, a little boy that played baseball, and we would always play against Pierce, and, you know, we, we're from Wayne County, and so we take pride and joy in whipping them, you know what I'm saying? And uh, the Bears, you know, Pierce Blue, you know. And I was watching him now having to drag that leg in the left side, and I asked him, I said, buddy, I said, you been catching any fish? He said, I don't fish much anymore. The whole deal changed him. And I sat there on the field and I looked at Grant and I, I began to tear up and I said, you know what's sad? He said, I know there's a God that can fix that. There's a God that can restore everything that the enemy has stolen. But I said, I said, his family's not in an environment that affords him the opportunity. I said, I want you to understand how blessed you are to have a mom and a dad that, that, that follow after God. Because whatever the enemy does bring in our family, we believe that God can raise up a standard. Come on, somebody. I believe, I don't care what, I don't care what some frozen chosen church tells him that that was God's destiny for his life. That wasn't God's destiny for his life. That was a freak accident. But what God, what the enemy meant to harm, God could turn around for good. Come on, somebody. And God is a restorer. God is a healer. God is a miracle worker. And all things are possible to them that believe. The enemy tries to get us to accept stuff. 
Well, that's just, that's, just, that's just a lot that was thrown in your lane. Jabez said this. He said, God bless me indeed. I don't care if my family ain't never been blessed. I don't care if my whole lineage has been in poverty. But I'll tell you right now, it's going to stop with me, God. I pray that you would bless me indeed. Stretch my tabernacle, God. Change my life and change my family. We don't have to accept that stuff. The deal is, is to push us into a place with God till we receive power. You see, something's full. Something's not full until it begins to overflow. That's how I can see how full I am. You know when I'm full, a lot of stuff don't bother me. When I'm not full... Let me just say this. Don't look and see, don't look and see how many people's healed in your lane and how many people saved in your lane to see how full you are. You got to go to Galatians chapter 5 to see how full you are. Are you long suffering? Are you loving the unlovable? Come on somebody, the fruits of the spirit. The fruit reveals what's already happening in your life. When you pull up there to Zaxby's and they say, "Can you pull forward and wait out here 30 minutes?" And you look at them and you say, yeah, praise God. I'm going to go out here and read the word of God while I wait on my chicken. Then you know you're full. Jesus said you shall receive power. Listen to this, power. Now think about this, not just power to go do the stuff, but power to overcome our own stuff. Can I get a witness in this room? I said the power to overcome our own stuff. Well, you know, you just got to live with that addiction. That's an absolute lie from the pit of hell. The Bible says, whom the Son set free is freed indeed. And He gives power to overcome in this life, friend, not just in the... He gives power to overcome now. We shall receive power. Wonder-working power. The Bible says, in Isaiah 10, 27... It says that the burden shall be removed from their neck and the yoke shall be destroyed. The King James rendered that because of the anointing. Now that is a poor translation and actually a very wrong translation. The New International Version would render that shall be broken off because of the fatness. I'm trying to break something in my life. (laughs) But what is a picture of? of an ox that is yoked down and he's lean he's skinny he's beat up but when he's stalled and he's fed out the health that is produced from the grain that he is eating will actually burst that yoke that's around his neck can I tell you this morning I don't care what has you and I bound in this room you hear me listen to this as long as we stay in here and keep eating and keep sitting in the presence of God we're gaining health and we're getting fat and erectly that thing will actually snap and break loose clean off of your life how do you know that listen how many been walking with God more than five years how many knows the things that had you five years ago don't have you today The children of Israel were saved. How were they saved? Remember at the Passover. By applying the blood to the doorpost. This is salvation. They leave out of Egypt that night. They get to a place called the Red Sea. 
and they're baptized into the sea, which was called what? The baptism of Moses. Now they're in the wilderness, traveling around. Manna falls from heaven. This is God just taking care of them. But it wasn't their destiny. See, a lot of people think, well, heaven, heaven, if we can just get to heaven. Listen, heaven is our destiny, but it's not our assignment. Our assignment is to bring heaven here to the earth. Well, if we can just get, I mean, if you, I'm, boy, I feel a little mean right here. Where are we going anyhow? John said he saw the new heavens coming down. I better get off of that. People get mad. That's when you get thrown out in some churches. Heaven is my destination. The earth is my assignment to bring that realm here. When Jacob saw in Genesis 28, when he saw Bethel, the house of God, he saw a ladder set up where? On the earth that reached to heaven. That is a sign saying, listen, right here, bring it here, manifest it here. They go through the baptism of Moses, but God is saying, listen, you got a promised land to inherit. You got a promised land to inherit. Your promised land is that your whole household may be saved. My aunts and uncles born again. My cousins born again. My whole household. Do we believe that? The promised land. If we are ever going to obtain the promised land, there's giants that live in the promised land that's going to have to be driven out. But here's what the church does is it wants to cope with the enemy living in our territory. The power that we need to drive them out is found in the next baptism. Now he brings them to not a sea, but a river. And the river is at flood stage. And he commands Joshua, be of good courage. He said, get the priest. Man, there's so much in this. I'm just saying, just like, I mean, I got an interstate going. You know what I'm saying? Cars is about to get jammed up here, so I'm trying to let them get through here. He said, get the priest to stand in the river bearing the ark and stay 2,000 cubits behind the ark. Can I tell you, Jesus Christ, Melchizedek, was our high priest that he crossed that river over 2,000 years ago, making way for you and I to get right in the, in the bottom of that river. Come on, somebody. After they go through this river, on this side, they did warfare one way. On this side, they do warfare a whole nother way. Now they endued with power. Now he brings them up to a city after Ai called Jericho, a tightly walled city. And he said, I tell you what, boys, you're not going to fight with spears and bows on this side. He said, I tell you what you're going to do. You're going to walk around this place seven times. And at the end, you're going to bring a shout. And when you release the shout, that's your praise. I'm going to break the walls that nobody else said could be broken. Come on. On this side, you got to fight with a bunch of men. He raises up Gideon, says, you mighty men of valor. Then sends 30,000 of his troops home. And he said, you know what? Just go out with 300 with pitchers in your hand and shout the Lord is for you and see what happens. This is when we're endued with power. Let's look at a little more scripture. Let's go to Luke 24. I'm, I'm getting close to the airport, okay?
How many want to be anointed in this room? Luke 24, verse 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem. Look at this. Until you are what? Endued with power. Who's got a new international version? Nobody in here? What does it say? Until you what? Be clothed with power. What I'm talking about today is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. When you glow, it's just like this. You step in as Clark Kent in a telephone booth, but you step out as Superman. 18 years of age, I get born again. I start going to a church which was a popular church where all the kids went in my hometown. I was born and raised in Bacon County. Don't hold it against me. Red Raider. More of a yellow jacket now, though. A hornet. I'm a hornet now. It's the same thing, I guess. We went from black and gold to black and gold, you know. And now they said that over, over there, my father-in-law said that they come out with the new, some new logos. Talking about, said, this is the baddest yellow jacket we've ever seen. Got it on there. And my father-in-law, he said, that's the Hornets. He said, that's the Hornet logo, Mom. <laughs> Start going to the church. It's a denominational church. It's a congregational Methodist. I don't even think we even got any over this way. Man, things are moving in my life. I'm eating the Word of God. I'm telling you, when I, when I met the man called Jesus in my bedroom on a Monday night, I'm eating the Word of God. I'm devouring it. How many knows the Word of God to change your life, friend? All you got to do is eat it. I mean, I'm eating it. I'm consuming the Bible. I'm not, I mean, I don't know anything about no revival in the past. I don't know probably what revival meant to me was when we held three meetings. Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. How many remember if you've been in church long enough, Miss Aldridge, how many remember you used to go all week, Sunday to Sunday, or Sunday to Friday? Did you used to go Sunday to Sunday? Or sometime long? Oh, Lord, we couldn't bear that now. We can barely make it on Sundays and Wednesdays. I'm just telling you where we're at. You know that, I mean, when we, when we held uh, meetings uh, over in India, people would walk three days just to try to get to the meetings. Wouldn't leave. You think it's hot here? In February, it was 100 and something degrees in the daytime. Night, you freeze to death. They didn't have no chair to sit in. Had what little bit of food they could pack on the journey to go. Why? They hungry for God. <clears throat> I felt like God called me to preach. Three months. I had three, about three months into, it, not even that, probably two months. I'm riding in the back seat of a Ford Dooley. I was on the underground crew bearing telephone cable. And the men in the Dooley disappear out of the truck. I got a red pocket New Testament that I toted on the job. I'm reading Matthew chapter 25, the story of the ten virgins. The men disappear out of the truck and the voice that spoke to me on February the 2nd of 1998 when I got born again spoke to me again. And he said, go tell the church to get on fire and get the oil. I'm like, what in the world? I'm not. After that, I'm in a congregational Methodist church. First of all, they're probably not going to believe I had a vision and three men disappeared. 
How many, you know that William Branham, when he met the angel of the Lord in that cave in Jeffersonville, Indiana, that went, when he went and told his pastor, which he was in the Missionary Baptist Church, that they tried, to, they tried to counsel him and thought he was a lunatic man and told him he needs to get out of the church. How many know I'm talking about William Brandon? Right? He finally got so, he was, he, was, he was having these encounters with the Lord and he went to this cave in Jeffersonville, Indiana where he lived. He was a game warden and electrician. He stayed in this cave. He said, God, I'm going to stay in here till I die or you, or you say something to me and tell me why am I having these encounters or what's going on. Somewhere in the early hours of the morning, a ball of fire comes into the cave in Jeffersonville, Indiana. Ball of fire enters that. A man steps out of the ball of fire and speaks to William Brennan and says, I've called you into the healing ministry. And what I'll put upon your life will be a sign and a wonder, but it'll also be a prophetic sign, and you'll be a forerunner of a generation that will run with this kind of anointing upon your life. The man steps back in the ball of fire, and it's disappeared. People's like, yeah. I'm telling you. A couple of days later, William Brennan is going inside of a store to buy some nipples to put on the bottle. He's in his game warden outfit and the bus pulls up. A man steps off the bus and starts eyeing him real crazy. And so William Brandon said, you know, for surely this man ain't fixing to jump me. I mean, I got a revolver right here on my side. Goes in the store, comes back out, the man's still standing there. And the man says, tell me where, uh, tell me where a, a, a man, uh, tell me where Branham is in this city. He said, two days ago, he said, I've been sick with an incurable disease and been failing in health. And he said, I've been fasting and seeking God. He said, I'm from Paducah, Kentucky. He said, a man, he said, a ball of fire appeared in my bedroom and a man stepped out of the ball of fire and said, go to Jeffersonville, Indiana and find a man by the name of Brandon. He will lay hands upon you and I'll heal you. I feel God in this room. That started the voice of healing and the, and the tent revivals in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. How many know you, you in some church history know what I'm talking about? This man was anointed by the Holy Ghost. This ain't some supernatural being. The Bible says in the book of James, James, it says, talks about Elijah. It says Elijah was a man. A man. I said, a man like us of like passions. What separated him different from us? Here's where he goes on to say, but he prayed. Gosh, help me right here. The public display of power is a manifestation of the private intercession. What goes by, behind where nobody's looking that intimacy, hanging out with God, saying, God, would you come? God, would you come? God, would you come? God, I love you, Jesus. And you're just ministering to him. You're pouring your heart upon him. Listen, all of that in secret leads to public displays of manifestation and power. Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and you tarry and you wait right there until you be endued with power. He's talking to his disciples. <coughs> Oh, it ain't as late as I thought it was. Time flies when you're having fun sometimes. All right. You ready? Can, can you give me just a few more? You all right? I'm just as hungry as anybody in here. 
Oh, I, I didn't eat no breakfast. I fasted all night too. Anybody else fast all night? Everybody talk about fasting. Listen, people try to put you on a fast. Go to the book of Daniel. There's a, there's a fast in there by King Darius. It says that he fasted all night long. I've been doing that fast most of my life. Father, we love you this morning. Holy Ghost, we thank you. God, come, Lord, this morning and touch us. William Branham's life was a forerunner of what God wanted to do upon a generation. Billy Graham is a forerunner of what God wants to pour on a whole generation of evangelists. How many knows that there's real mantles of these men that they walked in? How many believe there's mantles exist upon these people? We, we have to believe that because Elisha, when Elijah was taking up, right? In the whirlwind, he didn't go up in the chariot of fire. The chariot of fire came to separate them. And the whirlwind received him up. And as he was going up, the Bible says that there was a mantle that fell back down on the ground. And Elisha went and picked it up and he went over there and struck. And he struck the Jordan and he said, where is the God of Elijah? If he was truly my daddy, then the anointing's going to come upon my life in a double portion manner. He leaves from there. Elijah does seven miracles. Elisha does 14. 13, but the 14th one was when they killed the man and threw him in his grave. Why did the anointing go in the grave with him? Because he, had, he didn't have a son to put it in and pass it on. Remember when they shot the man and they found the tomb, which was found Elisha's tomb, and they threw the soldier that they killed and they threw him in the, on, the, on the dead, decayed, dry bones of Elisha. When the man touched it that was dead, when he felt that anointing, it resurrected him back up. Yes. Are we in the book? We got to quit reading the book like these are some Bible stories. It's just stories. No, these are real accounts of men walking with God. Little girl laying on the deathbed. All doctors can't find out what's wrong. She's dying. Brother Branham goes in there to have prayer with her. Brother Branham touches her, puts his left hand upon her body. When he touches his left hand upon her body, immediately goes into a vision. Seen the child running up a, 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 a cherry tree that was in the yard, slipped and fell out and hit her back on a rock. Brother Branham says she's not dying. She's got a vertebrae that's out right there. We need a chiropractor to come pop her back. Chiropractor come in and pop the back and the child got up out of the bed. This is a man anointed by God. I'm trying to help us here. We got to have faith again in the church. I'm just going to give you one more story. I'm try, what are you doing? I'm just trying to wet your palate to believe right here. If you'll believe with me, God will do something right here for us this morning. God will bust our shoelaces in here, turn us around, and change us. Paul to us. Uh, 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 um, gosh, Samuel told, told Saul when he anointed him in 1 Samuel chapter 10 when he poured the ram's horn on him. The ram's horn full of oil when he poured it on him. I'm just you got to understand this. Hey, he poured it out on several, right? Well, even when he got to David's house, he turned it up, but the oil wouldn't flow. He turned the bottle upside down, a ram's horn upside down, but the oil stayed inside of it. He said, "Surely this is Eli, but he he's tall, good looking. Surely God poured it, nothing happened. He pulled the young lad David out the backside of the field. Come on, somebody." 
He turned it up. All of a sudden, oil began to come down on and said, this is the one God's chosen. But Saul was the first one, right? And Saul, he said, he said, when you leave here, he said, you're going to go out on the mountainside. You're going to find a company of prophets. He said, when you join them, the anointing that's upon their life is fixing to come upon your life. And when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, he will turn you into another man. I came to tell you this morning at Cornerstone, what I'm preaching about will turn you into another man. Hello. It'll turn you from an addiction. It'll turn you from a crack addict into a preacher of the gospel. God, help me right here. I'm talking about having faith to believe. There's a lady in Memphis, Tennessee. Older black lady. Nineteen forty-eight. She's got a son that was prophesied over when he was a child that he would be a prophet. He's laying in a deathbed, about two days left to live from a sexually transmitted disease. Brother Branham just finished up a revival, hadn't seen his wife three or four months. Called her and said, I'm coming home. How many knows he was ready to get to the house? Boards his flight. This lady's seeking God. God, I need a miracle. You said, man, there's so much to this. You said he would be a prophet. You promised this to me. I don't care what the devil's done in his life. I don't care what things that you, this is what you said. Brother Branham's on his way to Jeffersonville, Indiana. About midways into that flight, they run into turbulence so bad they have to ground the plane in Memphis, Tennessee. Brother Branham has to stay overnight. Spirit of the Lord speaks to him and says, rise up and go. Or walk till I tell you to stop. He's looking at the flight, knowing that the flight is going to be rescheduled when it is leaving. He keeps walking. He stops because he knows if he stops right now, I have time to get back and board the plane and go see Mama. Spirit of the Lord says you ain't walked far enough. He walks to the pavement ends and it now ending into a dirt road. Little old white picket fence and old house. Older black lady standing on the front porch. And when she eyes Brother Branham, she said, Hey, Parson, how you doing? He said, do you know me and know I'm a preacher? She said, no, but I know God said he was going to bring a man by this morning that had an anointing on his life that would break the spirit that's upon my child. Brother Branham walked inside that house, laid hands on that boy. God healed him instantly, rose him up, and he become a prophet. William said, well, he said, you know that I'm not going to make it back to, to catch the flight. When he walked back in, they said that they could not crank the plane, but when he got back inside, the plane cranked right up. Don't tell me that we don't serve a real God. Hello. I'm trying to wet your... This is in 1948. What we need is a man like John who was sent from God. D.L. Moody said it like this. The most dangerous thing on the earth is a man totally committed to God. Go tarry, Miss Nadine, into Jerusalem until I send the promise of my father. We know this according to the book of Corinthians that Paul wrote that over 500 seen Jesus in the last, uh, after the resurrection. So I believe over 500, at least 500 heard to get to Jerusalem. 
by the time the day of Pentecost fully come in Acts chapter 2 there was 50 men gathered they, they, was, they was gathered in the upper room 110 and the Bible says there was a sound came from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and the Bible says that cloven tongues like as a fire set upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit now what I'm talking about is God turning you into another man there was a man in that group by the name of Peter who when Jesus at the last supper, he said that he was going to Jerusalem. Peter said, Lord, he said, I'll die for you. And Jesus looks at Peter and said, hold on, son, listen, you ain't about to do nothing. Before the rooster crows three times, you, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. Peter. Peter, the man that said he was going to die, was standing by a fire. And a teenage girl said, why you with the man also? He didn't even have. clean it up the kahunas to say he knew him wasn't you with the man I don't know the man I've never been with him I don't even know the man I'm afraid of anything I can't even I, I, they all deserted him I don't know the man and he begins to run and as he begins to run away he hears the faint crow in the distance and he remembers what the Lord told him and he leaves and he goes back fishing to what he knew how to do before he met the Lord This same weak need preacher who has never spoke to a crowd. Roughneck. The only thing he really did big is when he stood up in the garden and cut the man's ear off. But now something happens to his life in Acts chapter 2. Something happened that filled that house that changed this man from just a sailor boy into a preacher boy. And he stands and faces that crowd of thousands who thought they were drunk and said, Men, we are not drunk as ye suppose. And he goes back to Joel 2.20. He goes back to Joel 2.28 and he quotes this in Acts 2.17. He said, Men, we're not drunk as ye suppose, as it's the ninth hour. He said, but, but this is which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days God said, I pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Hello, come on somebody. I pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men will dream, your, 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 your young men, your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. This same weak preacher now leaves that meeting his first sermon, 3,000 people get born again. Am I in the book? This same man leaves and Peter and John is going to the, uh, to the, to, uh, at the hour of prayer. And as they go there, there's a man laid, there's a man lame at the gate called Beautiful. And Peter looks at him and says, look at us. Well, it's not about us. No, it's about the God on the inside of you. Fasten your eyes on us. And he fastened his eyes upon them looking to receive something from them. And he says, silver and gold have we none, but what we do possess, what changed our life in the upper room, I'm about to deposit in you. The dove that descended upon me, I'm about to slide into your life. And what we do have, rise up in the name of Jesus. And he snatches a man out of a wheelchair. Am I in the book? This same man is now facing a council. Not a teenage girl, but a council. And they said, we forbid you to preach in that name anymore. Scores them, scalded them, beat the hound out of them, slapped them, whatever they did. 
But Peter said, we can't help but speak of the things which we have seen and heard. There's a, that'll preach right there, Maxie. The reason why the church don't have faith is because we ain't seen nothing. We only hear something. We hear some theologians stand up and say what God used to do. And maybe if God could do something today. But I came here to tell you today that the word of God says in Hebrews 13 verse 8 that he is the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. If he did it in the book of Acts, if he did it in the 40s, he'll do it again if he's got some people that believe. Gosh, I'm almost done. Peter, you can't speak. We can't help but to speak of the things which we have seen and heard. Now check this out. He goes back and he gets in his personal time with God. And they hold this prayer meeting. You would think he's about to pray, you know, Lord, the next time we snatch a dude up, could you watch out for us? This is what he cries out for. This is why there is not one time. Listen, I believe there's one. In, I believe there's there, there may be one baptism, but there's many feelings. Get around and say, well, I remember when I was filled with the Holy Ghost in 1968. Friend, if you ain't been filled since then, you own empty. I drive a Ford or four-wheel drive. And especially when you hook a boat behind it. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can't drive it all the way across the country, can you, Mr. Billy? What you got to do? Stop and fill up. What do we got to do? Stop and fill up. I'm telling you, you can mark, you can listen, you can mark it right here. You heard a fat, bald-headed man in Sparks, Georgia. God is raising a church up, friend. Did you hear what I'm telling you? That will learn how to fill up and that's gonna get it done on the earth. I'm telling you, if you got a, if you got an eschatology, which is the study of end times, what you believe about the end, if you believe there's gonna be a beat down battered church that only a few's gonna enter in, I don't know where you got that, but it wasn't from the Bible. Come on, somebody. Jesus, I mean, Paul said this is a glorious bride without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. And the picture that was foreshadowed in Acts chapter 24 when, when, the, when, the, when the servant went out to find a wife for Isaac, which was the promised son, right? Come on now. How many knows he's a prophetic picture of Jesus, right? Remember when he was taken up on Mount Moriah, right? And Abraham was fixing to kill his only son and he stayed. Listen, that is a picture of Jesus. I know that Sunday school told us he was a little boy. He was a fully grown teenage man walking up with the wood on his back. It is a prophetic picture of Jesus. But he told Abraham, Abraham, hold off. You ain't going to put the blade through him, but I won't hold off on putting the blade through my own son. But when the servant goes and finds the wife, Rebecca, where did she find her at? Where did he find Rebecca? It wasn't at the house with her feet propped up. He found her at the well. He found her drinking the water of the Spirit. Come on, somebody. And he said, you're going to know it's her because she's not only going to drink for herself, she'll be willing to bring you a drink also. 
Not only was she willing to bring him a drink, she was willing to bring every bit of the camels he had a drink. And the scripture says that Isaac was standing on the horizon and he watched Rebecca come up. And the Bible says that she came with the servant and she was loaded down with the gifts. This is a picture of the end time bride of Jesus Christ. We're going to be loaded down with the well, the spirit of God, loaded down with the gifts when we meet our Redeemer in the air. Come on, somebody. My God, I'm preaching in this house this morning. We're going to be loaded down with the power of God. Laying hands on the sick, seeing them recover. Laying hands on blinded eyes, seeing them recover. I've seen, I have seen with my own eyes everything. I've, I've, what I have not seen is a cripple. I've seen storms. With, I don't know if you call them gorders or what. They were like that, shrink instantly. The church has got to have a picture of the Lordship of Jesus. Gosh, I'm almost done. This same man that was turned into another man is now in the streets in Acts 5. And the scripture says that they brought the sick as many as they could that was in their beds the sick the multitude and laid them in the street that supposedly happened maybe just a chance that the Peter's shadow might overshadow them and heal them a shadow touched them now here's the deal there's no there's no substance in a shadow but what I want to tell you is it wasn't Peter's shadow Peter was overshadowed by the Holy Ghost Put your seatbelt on. We're fixing to land a plane. Going into the airport. But I got to finish here, if you will. Give me, give me just a moment's time right here to finish. In the, in the 19th chapter of the book of Acts, at Paul at Ephesus. When he gets to there, Paul, Paul asks the believers there. He says, have you received the Holy Spirit after you believed? That's in the book, Acts 19. Have you received? He didn't say, were you planted in a church? He didn't say, do you have a Bible? He didn't say, are you in a Bible study? Those are all good things, but they do not take the place of the Holy Spirit. How do we elevate a book that they didn't have above the Spirit of God in which they did have? That might hit something. How do we elevate a book that they didn't have above the Spirit of God which they did have? Have you received the anointing? Are you just doing ministry? I striked out and I preached a couple of sermons at 18 years of age. Knock knee behind the pulpit, didn't have the faith or the power trying to tell somebody about Jesus. My aunt went to Pentecostal church. I thought them people was crazy, falling down in the floor. Speaking in Spanish, we had a little kid to come here a few weeks ago and we had a barn burner standing up there hollering in tongues, me and tongues. We all was crazy little kid he said he went back to school and said he said I didn't know Coach Stanton knew how to speak in Spanish like that or Mr. John (laughs) 
she handed me a book. And I remember preaching to a graduation class that was graduating in 1998 who knew me from 1997. If you grab my annual, I am not voted as the one most likely to become a preacher. Party animal, redneck, crazy. And one year later, I'm talking to some of the people that know where I was being. I didn't have the power to stand up. I was nervous. Just couldn't put it together. So I go home and I tell my mom, I'm done with the preaching. I just can't, I'm not cut out to be a preacher. My aunt gets me this book by T.D. Jakes called Anointing, Fall on Me. Leonard Raven, he also wrote in his classic in 1956, while revival tarries, he said, with all thy getting, get unction. With all thy getting, get unction. That's a powerful book. He's got a chapter in there called, Are You Known in Hell? Are you on the devil's most wanted list? Well, if we're sitting at the house watching Bonanza, I mean, he ain't worried about us. But if you get anointed, I'm telling you right now, hell started trembling. I started reading in this book and T.D. Jake started connecting some dots for me. And he started bringing me around some more scripture that my church was skirting around. And I started seeing, hey man, what I got to get is the anointing. If I'm going to preach the gospel, I got to get anointed. So I had a cousin to invite me to a church in Nichols, Georgia. That Pastor Bo Turner was preaching there on Sundays. At our church, we got out at 12 o'clock. Really, we closed the service. The piano player walked to the piano at about 11.50. And the closer the 12 got, the louder she played. You know, hey, it's bringing to a halt. We were out by 12, shaking hands, hug one another. It was great. It was a great place. A lot of people saved. I'm not knocking it. I thank God everywhere I've come from. Every place is an expression of who Jesus is, and it takes us all to reach people, whatever. But let me say this if your destiny is to raise the dead, you cannot be hanging out in certain places that don't believe in raising the dead get offended of that well you just got to get offended with the word of God because it happened in the book of Acts come on somebody Jesus wasn't the only one raised the dead the dead's been raised now right now on the planet you believe that you just got to get outside of Adel Georgia outside of Tifton outside of the state of Georgia you get overseas God's really doing some things if you have no teeth in your mouth in Brazil you can't even stand up and give your testimony unless God put five, at least five teeth five or more teeth in your mouth during worship service it's just common that's what happens in Brazil people with no teeth go there and they just get teeth put in their mouth by worship I don't understand that so where's that in the Bible all I know Jesus said listen it don't take teeth to drink milk but it does take teeth to eat meat and the meat ain't, ain't strong preaching the meat is doing the will of the Father John 4 come on shall I go to Nichols Church of God go to a youth service at our youth service we played ping pong shot basketball played Nintendos 
ate pizza until time for service. Then went and had service. It was good. But at this church, I went in there. And I, I got a little. I used to be early before I got married. Boy, d- delete that out of there. My wife's gone. Now I'm out there playing that country song, waiting on a woman. She's worth the wait, amen. The lights was off. I'm like, they ain't nobody here. They supposed to be having church at seven o'clock. Lights is off. You got music playing. When they cut the lights on. They were teenagers laid all in under the under the chairs, and they're shaking. Just some of them were just just like right here, just shaking. I ain't never seen nobody shake like that. I'm like, man, this is a cult right here. <laughs> I had somebody was t- somebody told me this. They had a guy come by and told them. They said, well, listen, they was telling this person, said, we want to get deeper. We just want a church that's deeper. You know what I'm saying? We, we want to get into some deep things that God and God. They said, listen, first place you need to, whatever church in your community they call in a cult, that's the one you need to be at. I'd never seen teenagers with that passion ever in my life about God. God wasn't a fairy tale to them. God wasn't a mystical figure that Granny served. God was real to them. I heard a girl stand up and say that she ran over a cat on the road and she was crying. She said, but I got out and laid hands on them, poured oil all over them, and God healed that cat and run off. I'm like, here was a girl that was prior one year to giving that testimony who was smoking weed every day, cutting her wrist and everything, other parts on her body because she hated herself, but she met a man named Jesus. And seeing these different kids, and then I saw a kid that graduated three years before me that I knew he was strung out on about everything there was to be strung out on. And he's got his hands raised and tears are coming down his eyes. I'm thinking, my God, what's going on in this place? Then then the youth pastor come out, and I mean, he was just, I mean, first of all, he had long hair. A lot of times when God brings you to something that you want and that you need in your life, he's going to bring it in in an offensive package to get you to back off from it. Because you have to press through the crowd to get him. The hunger get fed, the thirsty drink. Daddy always told us half fell out because he all cut us short. Long hair. I'm like, then I seen him lay hands on somebody, they just fell. I've always been a big boy, but I ain't always been, you know, with the roles that ain't been caught up yonder. But I said, you know what? I said, man, if he goes to push me now, I said, I'll, 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 I'll choke slam this joker right here. He ain't finna grab me like that. You got to think, I've preached three sermons. I got the book called Anointing Fall on Me. God's, put, God's putting the pieces in my life. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. God, you say, I don't know how I ended up here. I don't know how I got here. God is orchestrating something, friend. Do you realize that? He's building a tapestry, a quilt in your life. You, we can only see right now. He sees the whole picture. And he says, son, if you want the anointing, I got to get you to a place that knows where the anointing's about. Come on, somebody. I got to get you to a river. You got to get away from the swimming pool and you got to get to a river. You've passed. He's out there. I'm like, what in the world going on? You know? 
not, had never seen me before. He looks at me, he said, God called you. When he said that, man, everything in me broke, man. And I mean, I about went down. I, now, I knew what it was like to be intoxicated, okay? But I'm telling you, that same feeling, come, I mean, it was just, I mean, I was just staggering under the heavy presence of God. God was identifying the call on my life. So I said, you know what, man, maybe I could get, I need my need to give his church a, a deal. Anyhow, laid hands on me, went out under the power of God, was drunk in the Holy Ghost. I mean, tore up. How many knows this year? Been drunk in the natural. The next morning, you can't even hardly go, right? I'm telling you, when you're drunk in God, wake up like Superman. See, the devil has to mimic and counterfeit with something a whole lot less than what God has for our life. I go back on a Wednesday night service. I'm sitting in this church on a Wednesday night with a crowd about like we got in here. Pastor Bo comes to the pulpit. I remember this like it was yesterday. And he leans over the pulpit. No, no, I'm telling Victor Gilbert, <clears throat> who pastors a church in Douglas, was his, his brother in law. He was preaching that night. He was preaching about Elijah being under the juniper tree. You, you, you all right with me? I know I've preached for a long time, okay? Listen to me. Just stay with me right here. God's going to do something, okay? Give me this little bit. I'm trying to bring this to a close. And then he's preaching about Elijah being under the juniper tree. And about right at the closing, when he was threatening to close like I have twice, a lady gets up from the back and she grabs me by the hand, grabs me by the arm and said, will you go down to the front? You need to go down to the front. I'm scared to death. I'm like, what are these people fitting do? I don't know if they're going to hand me a rattlesnake, cottonmouth moccasin, what's feet and happen. I don't see, I'm telling you, at our church we got out at 12. I'd been to this church on a Sunday with my aunt. At 12.30, he pulled his jacket off to preach. I'm like, man, the buffet's going to be shut down. I mean, my God, they closing it too. Let's go. I mean, we're going to have to go eat Subway or something now. But they wasn't worried about no time. They wasn't worried about nothing. All they were worried about is God coming in the building. Come on now. How many knows this is where we got to get back again? I'm not talking about holding people to hold them. He's sitting in a at, at that time in the church they had wing back chairs. How many remember wing back chairs used to be on the on the road, especially in the church of God? Okay. He the pastor was sitting in a wing back chair. The lady grabbed me by the arm, said, "Would you go to the front?" I'm walking beside. I said, "Yes, ma'am." I went down to the front, and as I got, as I made my way about where Matt and Max is. Pastor Bo jumped out of the out of the out of the um, the wing back chair, snatched the microphone from his brother in law. He said, "Ma'am, I appreciate you obeying the Lord." And he come and stood down right in front of me. He says, "The day you stand at a crossroads, you can go to the right or you can go to the left." But God says, "Yea, son, I've called you to come up higher. I've called you to come forward." And God says, "From this day forward, you shall preach my word with fire, for I will baptize you in fire." The power of God came upon me. Felt like a mule kicked me in the chest, slid me across the back. He never laid his hands on me. He released the word of God over my life. And I piled to the back. of, And I was in fluent tongues when I hit the floor. What happened? God said, I got a destiny. I got a call. But you got to have something on your life called the anointing of the Holy Spirit before you can go do what you do. 
Now you can study the word, friend, and you can come up with something. You can, you can download something off the internet and you can get up here and communicate it. But you won't feel what you felt this morning in this house. The reason why you got God bumped sitting there right now is that's because of the Holy Ghost from that encounter in 1998 on my life that I have cultivated for over 20 years. Are you with me, friend? This is called the anointing. This is why Paul told him in Acts 19, have you received the anointing after you believed? Paul stands and preaches in the church. They get tired of him preaching in the church. They throw him out of there. He goes to a school called Tyrannus. And the Bible says that God hiding the level of the anointing that was in that school. And it said that God began to do unusual miracles at the hands of the apostles. So much so that handkerchiefs were sent out. Am I in the Bible? So much so that handkerchiefs have been sent out. And as many touched the handkerchiefs, were healed. What is the handkerchief? The handkerchief is just a point of contact where faith hit of the anointing, of the residue. Where did the handkerchief come from? Where did the handkerchief come from? It wasn't up with the towel that was wrapped around Paul while he was preaching. It was the place in the handkerchief where he would tie around himself as he was making the tents during the day. And as he was making the tents during the day preparing, come on somebody, how many knows I'm in the book? He's making the tents during the day and as he's sitting, he's meditating on the word of God thinking, you know what, what am I going to preach here? What am I going to preach here? What am I going to write about here? And that sweat, that residue from the anointing on his life got into the handkerchief and it began to heal the sick. Friend, what do you, what, listen to me. You can sit here today and say, you know what, that man hollered, he screamed. I mean, you know, that man's just passionate about whatever he is, he's passionate about it. Oh, we can sit here this morning and we can get up on our feet and say, God, anoint us afresh. God, I want to be a better husband. How many want to be a better husband, men, in this place? I want to be a better dad. I still lose it from time to time. I got a 13-year-old boy that could get up here and he could hold the mic and he can tell you all of my faults and failures. He can tell you my greatest weaknesses. He'll say he's got a dad that sometimes loses, sometimes hollers at him. But I can tell you this. He could also say I got a dad that loves God with all her heart. And through all of my weaknesses, I know this. I know it ain't God. I know it's me. And I got to press into a place. Come on, somebody. I got to press into a place to get deeper in that well, to get more anointing upon my life. Why? I, listen, all of the, the healings and stuff is a byproduct. Catherine will stand here and tell you, she can say, I can always tell when you when you were really walking with the Lord. She said, because you're so soft. You know what I believe? I believe, I believe our I believe our students just want to see another student living. You know what the biggest, the biggest distaste in my mouth was? The biggest distaste to me was to be I knew I was lost. Don't show up at my keg. Listen to me. Don't show up at my keg party when you're supposed to be some church goer. That made me sick. You know what they're looking for? They're looking for the authentic. They're looking for the real. They're not looking for the perfect teenager. They're looking for a real teenager that's got real issues but has a real relationship with God. Come on, somebody. They just want somebody to live it. When I... When I, read, when I read Mike Matheny's book called The Matheny Manifesto, I, I looked at Grant and I said, man, I've been so stupid as a dad. I thought it was about hitting home runs and being the big man on the field. It ain't about that. 
Listen, I don't know if he'll play ball in college or where it goes, but listen, I got to put something in his life that's going to take him for the rest of his life. And what I know will take him for the rest of his life ain't a home run. It's a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Hello, somebody. This is the real deal stuff. He's real. He's real. This is the real deal stuff. He's real. He's real. One of the things that happened, I ain't going to go in there. I got to quit. I want you to stand to your feet. I've asked them to get a song ready. This song is so old, you're going to say, my gosh. And man, her playing right here is very anointing. But I want you to stand with your hands lifted up towards heaven and say, God, would you anoint me afresh today? Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media. 